0: Hi everyone and welcome to season four of the podcast. I'm super excited to be back and to announce that the podcast will now be called The Holistic Pharmacy Podcast to better reflect the subject matter. The first few episodes were recorded before the rebranding so I still refer to it by its old raw fork name in those. Anyway, I had no idea when I started this podcast that it would evolve to this format but i did know that i wanted to share people's stories it has evolved from me reading my blog post out loud to interviewing non-traditional pharmacists including herbalists season four will air every friday highlighting inspirational pharmacists that chose to fit out of the proverbial box and are working to build a new system of care focusing on natural and preventative medicine please enjoy the show Hola, I'm getting ready to go to Costa Rica for my retreat, La Raiz, and live the pura vida for a couple of weeks. So this will be the last episode until I return in July. Today, I'm bringing you a riveting conversation between myself and an esteemed colleague and fellow podcast host. I will share our episode from his show in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. Dr. Madman Harrell Is a licensed pharmacist in three states and an advocate for mental health awareness because of his passion for both pharmacy and mental health matman is currently pursuing a degree in marriage and family therapy from abilene christian university matman envisions a future where the psychodynamic and pharmaceutical disciplines coexist not in competition but in unity to support the whole person Madman is the host of the Mindful Farm D podcast, where he invites listeners and guests to explore the mind through genuine conversation, thought-provoking ideas, and the reality that the story of mental health is incomplete. Madman and his wife serve as associate pastors and currently reside in the Columbia, South Carolina area with their two boys. Madman enjoys reading complex literature, wrestling with his boys, and nerdy discussions involving superheroes and science fiction. So without further ado, let's get started with the show.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. It's Dr. Madman Harrell, and he is the mindful PharmD. So thank you for coming.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on, Marine. It's nice to speak with you again and kind of catch up and stuff. So thank you for having me.
1: Yes. I was featured on your podcast a short while ago. So thank you. And for listeners, we'll put that in the show notes for everyone to check out and give a shout out to me on Dr. Mattman's podcast.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I enjoyed doing that with you and collaborating with you on that, uh, on that podcast. It was probably one of the, one of my most popular ones so far about five episodes out, but yeah, it was I enjoyed having you, just the information you brought and everything was very fresh and, um, you know, your perspective on things. I appreciate very much.
1: Well, I appreciate hearing the compliments. So thank you again for having me. And on my show, I'd love for us to dive deeper into you and your story and your background and how you came to be the Mindful farm D. So I can't wait to hear about, first of all, how you got started, you know, where you grew up, how you went to pharmacy school, you know, why was this the direction that you chose?
2: Yeah, wow. Um, so I, I grew up in Florida, uh, South Florida to be exact, and um, my household was a busy one. Uh, I think I shared with you previously that, briefly, that my, um, my mom was a single parent and uh, she raised five of us alone. And so a lot of, lot of, lot of days it was her out working, you know, making sure that we had food on the table. And uh, really, my, my brother and I, my older brother and I were really running the house, so to speak. And it was, as you can imagine, when you have a bunch of adolescent uh, children, you know, running the household, it was a little hectic at times. But um, it was fun. And I remember when I just jumping ahead a little but I'll come back. But I remember when I was in college, And I met my wife. I would tell her, you know, yeah, I want a household full of, I want about five kids. You know, I wanted a big family. Um, Obviously, that changed (laughs) very quickly after we had our first boy. Um, Life with kids can be, as you know, can can be stressful sometimes, but uh, but still a joy and fun. But you know, in my household, we were we were like I said, always going, always busy, um, trying to make sure we didn't kill each other. And uh, when I really my interest in pharmacy started when I was in um, high school. And obviously when you're in high school, nobody really knows exactly what they want to do or be, but I enjoyed for me, the biology, two two of my favorite courses were biology and chemistry. And um, before I actually applied to pharmacy school, I'd looked at attending um, the University of Central Florida, UCF, to to major in chemistry. And at the time too, there was sort of this Uh, My mom was actually a pharmacy technician, and she would come home and talk to me all the time about working in, in that time, uh, retail pharmacy. And it sounded interesting. Again, I didn't really know what, you know, exactly what I wanted to do or what I wanted to become. Um, And, you know, she would push pharmacy, you know, for me. And really, it came from a a perspective of trying to make sure that I was uh, financially secure. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I tell everybody all the time, it, it's not everybody has the or is, is, a, is afforded the opportunity to pursue a passion. Um, and that was me. I, I didn't really uh, couldn't really afford to pursue a passion. And, and then again, at that time period in my life, I didn't really know what my passion was. Right. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'll get to that maybe a little bit later in the interview, but kind of share with you how I came to uh, pursue my passion. But at that time, it was, you know, pursue something that is going to be financially stable you and your future family. And so that's what I did. My mom made uh, pharmacy seem very, very appealing. And so I applied to Florida A&M University, College of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences, and I was accepted. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. And so I'm, here I am now, what, I graduated in 2011, um, you know, 10 years later. And uh, I've been practicing. I've, I've had experience across the field, retail, um, managed care, pharmacy. And now I'm, I'm at this place where I want to dive more into mental health and figuring out how I can bridge, you know, and marry my two passions now, my two fields, because I've developed this passion for pharmacy. Um, I, and I love the profession of pharmacy. Absolutely. And then I've also sort of realize that my, my main passion and goal is to focus on mental health. And so that's kind of where I am uh, right now. And with regard to the mind being the mindful farm D as I, as I call myself.
1: Yeah. I'd love to dive deeper into where that name and tagline came from for you, but also uh, I just want to comment on how you grew up in a family of five and then you wanted a family of five of your own for five kids Uh, I mean, and I would love to know also what your siblings ended up doing in terms of career and like how you all divided and conquered, like, you know, what would be a savvy profession for each of you?
2: Yeah, man. (laughs) So I I am, I'm a first of uh, my family to really graduate from higher education um, with a, first of all, obviously with my, my doctorate degree. But um, my siblings, they really pursue different, different paths, if you will. Um, two of my sisters pursued a degree in um, dental, to become a dental hygienist. And they were out in California and the field is, I'm not, not don't know if you're familiar with California, but the field is very competitive out there. Mm. And so they ended up changing, changing really changing their minds um, and, you know, went a different route. One of my sisters is... Uh, and was uh, really um, passionate about acting and she really she pursued a degree and not a degree rather, but a, a pathway toward acting didn't pan out as sometimes life, you know, throws curveballs our way. Um, and so she she actually came back over on the East Coast and now she's she's um, she's with my she's in the same city as my mom in Georgia. Um, and she's got a family down there and she, she's working on herself, you know, and, and trying to I- improve her situation. But for the most part, um, she's still passionate about acting. Sometimes I make fun of her because she has all of these different personalities <laughs> and I, and I, you know, she, she recorded a movie, um, one time, a very low budget film, but, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've watched it and, and I, I've always come back to her and tell, you know, you've, you've got an art for this, you know, after you, get settled in over here on the east coast you should really i know atlanta is a really good area for for actors you know it's so, sort of the east coast answer to um hollywood
1: yeah and i was just gonna say it's like an up-and-coming hollywood
2: seriously and so you know all the movies we see now it says you know filmed in georgia uh, atlanta georgia so you know i told you you know you should really pursue that and then one of my other sisters is an art um an author she's written a few books and again more in the realm of romantic novels and and those kind of things. I actually own a few of them. Um, haven't had a chance to read them because I'm focused on on uh, nonfiction right now. But uh, but she has a gift and a talent in that as well. My older brother, he's really just works odd jobs, um, sort of an entrepreneur himself. Um, you know, with with skills in construction, skills in um, you know, really just being a handyman. Um, and then I do have my younger sister. She and I were one of the closest ones growing up she's still out west right now with her husband who's in the military and uh they have uh, a three-year-old daughter beautiful three-year-old daughter and one on the way another daughter on the way I feel sorry for them <laughs> they've got two girls <laughs> nothing against women but you know I always say man I couldn't I probably couldn't have uh two girls or or a, a daughter just because I would I would go crazy I know what it's like to live in a household uh full of younger sisters and so you know they, they drove me crazy at times but you um was that?
1: We need a lot of bathrooms together.
2: Yes, a lot of, a <laughs> lot of bathrooms, um, <laughs> a lot of patients, but um, I, um, but yeah, she, she's pursuing a degree in healthcare management. So similar, similar to our field. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've been kind of uh, coaching her and talking with her and what she plans to do, you know, and, and saying, Hey, you know, we can work for a hospital, you can start a consultant business. There's so much you can do with um, with the degree she's pursuing. And so um, I stay connected with her. But yeah, that, that's sort of my siblings. They're they're all over the place, as you could tell. Wow, that's <laughs> you interesting.
1: Yeah, so as you can see, even though you're all from the same family, you know, you had the kind of um, foresight or like the stance that you need to be practical and get yourself a stable position and healthcare is always like a good field to be in. But yeah. then not everybody, even growing up in the same household, had the same ideas. And some people just went for their passions and, yeah. you know, like are just going in there. And it's it's like it doesn't matter. It's so individual, like even though we're brought up with the same kind of um, environment and surroundings and still we're each so different in what we choose to pursue.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's very possible to have. And to grow up in the same environment, but have different experiences. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of that as we, as I um, raise my own boys, you know, my youngest son, even though my wife and I, you know, for the most part have the same values, we, we can tell that, again, the environment is different. You know, we live in a different city. We, um, we have uh, one relative living with us right now. And that wasn't the case with my older son. And so, you know, as I'm studying um, my second passion, which I'll talk about, you know, marriage and family therapy, I'm understanding and realizing that it's, again, to your point, it's very possible to live in the same household, have very different experiences, um, and then take those experiences into your life when you get older and and really dive into and become your individual person uh, with your strengths and your weaknesses um, and you know, and and then share those those strengths and those weaknesses down the line. So, um, but yeah, very very possible and very true to do that. So,
1: yeah, we all come here with like individual likes and dislikes and personalities, which can be molded to an extent. But then there's like mm-hmm. that core you, you yeah. know, genetics that can be activated by your epigenetics. And yep. you, you know, the environment is the same. Like we keep saying. It still like allows you for some choices and some leeway into how you integrate the experiences and using things like personal development and mindset and mindfulness tools yeah. to really hone in and take those qualities that you possess and use them to, you know, get different results and outcomes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So, talk to us about these ten years of pharmacy practice. Like you said, in different settings, and you said that you moved. So, where are you living now? You know, what are you practicing now? How have you integrated those different settings and experiences to what you're doing now?
2: Yeah, I am. Um, I moved from Florida, and uh, first of all, I got started in Florida, and you know, in two, 2011, and I worked as a retail manager, retail pharmacy manager for about two years. And then I moved to um, Raleigh, North Carolina area and worked, continued my, my role there. Um, But then over the, after about a year and a half or so, I transitioned out of retail into more of managed care space.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And
2: I was doing, you know, prior authorization reviews. And after about six months, I got promoted to be the deputy director of the uh, contract that, that um, the company I was working for that they had for North Carolina Medicaid, and that was the best time that I had really in my career um, because I was creating clinical policy um, for North Carolina Medicaid beneficiaries. Um, I was, you know, you know, interacting with, with folks in ways uh, immediate, mediative ways. Um, for example, you know, whenever a, somebody on my team would deny a prior authorization or make an adverse decision. The I would be the one on the other end talking with providers saying, hey, you know, here's sort of where the clinical criteria stands with the state. And, you know, here's how we can get the patient something that is clinically beneficial, but is also um, financially advantageous or financially responsible for the state of North Carolina. And having those conversations and interacting with with patients interacting with providers and then also interacting with mediators hearing I got to meet so many different people and hear their stories about you know patients with with chronic pain for example and why this specific medication is working for them and sometimes when, when we're in clinical practice we can we have all this knowledge about how you know what clinical regimen to use and Um, and how to work through uh, clinical guidelines, but at the end of the day, there's a patient on the other end of that, of those clinical, you know, those clinical guidelines, and thankfully, the field, I believe the healthcare field is moving more in such a way to where we can say, well, yes, take the clinical guidelines, but also use the patient as a guide, and, you know, what works for one patient is not going to work for another patient, even if it's been studied, even if it's been You know, all of the T's have been crossed and the I's have been dotted in these clinical studies. At the end of the day, there's a patient. And so that space gave me um, more of an appreciation for individual for an individual's uh, personal story. Mm. And a lot of times I found myself relating to the patient and saying, "Okay, yeah, I hear you. This medication has worked for you well over the past five years, 10 years. Let's 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 not disrupt therapy. Let's let's keep this on board. Um, and so th- I really enjoyed that work. But and what took me away from that was a personal calling. Uh, right now, my wife and I serve as associate pastors for our church. And so here's that spiritual element and, and spiritual values that we have in our life. And I took a I took this this position as the associate pastor, uh, my, my local church here. And um, because of doing that, there wasn't an opportunity in the in the professional space to continue doing that work. And so I took a step back um, for now, back into retail. And um, and I'm working towards some different things. I'm networking with different people like you um, and others, uh, you know, who are, you know, more along the lines of functional medicine, um, which is an interesting field to me. And so from North Carolina, we moved to South Carolina. This is where we are right now. We're in South Carolina. Um, We bought a house uh, last year in in the midst of COVID. I, I told my aunt she's a realtor. She said, she said, You bought a house? I said, Yeah, you know, I bought a house. <laughs> and um, but anyway, here 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 we are, and we're 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 enjoying life, we're loving life, and really just making those strides to um to step into my next passion, which is marriage and family therapy. Um, and is it, you know, is it okay if I kind of talk about yeah, that? Of and of, okay. I love that. Uh, yeah, and so so you know, again, just pointing back to my experience in Raleigh and, and when I met those those different people and hearing those personal stories, there was a there was a defining moment for me in 20 uh 2019. We w- we had made the decision to move to South Carolina again, pursuing that, that, that spiritual calling. Mm-hmm. And I um I remember standing in my chiropractor's office and there was a story that had just been released um, about a mother. She was a the wife of a a pastor who had pulled over on the side of the road and she, with her four kids in the car, varying in ages, there was a three-year-old, I think all the way up to about 12 years old. And she got out of of her vehicle and jumped off of a bridge. And even now, as I'm telling you this story, there's sort of this emotional um, response that I'm having because I remember standing in the chiropractor's office and t- talking to my chiropractor, he probably thought I was insane. But as I'm telling him this story about moving and, and taking my family to a to a, to an unknown place, you know, to to pursue not only a spiritual calling but to also put uh, hopefully put my life in a in a better mental better state to pursue my my second passion. I'm I'm weeping in front of him as I'm telling him this story, and that moment I you know I said to myself, "Yes, I also I I realize that I have some." Um, some issues that I have to address in my own personal life Mm. um, in terms of confidence, in terms of, um, you know, am I making the right decision? But the story of this individual whom I I don't know, this, this woman who, who, who committed suicide, I didn't know her at all, but her story made me realize there are people in this life, people in this world who don't have, um, or maybe they lose sight of those resilient factors that help them to overcome. Because at you know at the end of the day, life is life can be challenging, life can be hard, um, and sometimes we lose out on those those factors, those um, those sources of resilience that help us overcome. And so, you know, for her, her story was sort of the launching pad for me to connect with other people and say, hey, there's there's a better way, hopefully than 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 the way that you're thinking about going. There's a better way. Um, To get your life back, you know, um, not just in the mental area, but, you know, just in for your audience in the in the uh, nutritional area. You know, a lot of times we we lose sight and and begin to um, decline in our mental health because our nutrition isn't right. Our nutrition is not is not where it needs to be. Um, And so taking that story with me on this journey, I'm pursuing marriage and family therapy to hopefully connect with people. Um, and help just one family at a time. You know, I always say, you know, in my church, even, and the people that I meet, I always say, you have the ability to change the world, but it doesn't have to be the whole world. It could just be your world, you know, change your, your circle of influence, the people that you touch each and every day, you have a personal story in a, that you can share with them. That could be an enlightenment for them. It could be a strength for them. It could be a way for them. It could, be, it could mean the difference between them waking up in the morning just by you saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. Just by you saying, hey, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a different way to go. Um, there's, a, there's a stronger way. You can find strength in me. Um, and so that, that, that really is my drive each and every day is to connect with different people and help them along their path um, to really to better health, health for me, I'm a pharmacist, better health to me. is not just taking a pill. You know, it's not just um, exercising. It's not just having good relationships. It's it's sometimes it's all of those things. It's, it's multifactorial. And what, what drew me towards marriage and family therapy specifically because, you know, I could have done counseling. I could have done, you know, clinical, clinical uh, psychology. But what drew me to the field of marriage and family therapy is the systemic nature that they have marriage and family therapists think, um, in, in a broad sense, you know, I, I think of, uh, for example, uh, a machine, you know, a machine's going to have cogs a machine's going to have nuts and bolts a machine's going to have lubricant, all of these different things that help it function together. But it, at the end of the day, it's still, it's still one. It's one machine, but it can operate if one piece is missing or one piece is taken out or one piece begins to lose its function. And so for marriage and family therapy, it was an attractive field to me because it looks at the whole life of the person. Um, And there are different models within uh, within the the profession as a whole. Um, But it looks at the whole life of the individual and it tries to bring out those strengths and then call to mind those those areas that maybe the individual is weak in. Um, and then use a uh, psychological approach to help this individual change, um, or to help the individual improve their relationships. So that that's uh, that's where I am here in South Carolina. I'm uh, pursuing that uh, that degree in marriage and family therapy. Wow! So. Wow! <laughs> that's <a lot>. Wow! <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, a lot
1: there that I want to kind of go back to. Well, first yeah. of all, I totally agree that as pharmacists, we sometimes just think about the physical body and correcting, you know, a deficiency of something or like a, a mechanical, you know, almost like a mechanical um thing that has gone awry, and you try to fix the biological physiological aspects of a, a certain system in the body. And we do also like dive deep into the molecular level of things and how things should be functioning. But um, often, you know, even the who, I keep mentioning this too, the definition of health by the World Health Organization is defined as the spiritual, mental, and physical, all three of those things have to be assessed to define someone as truly holistically being healthy. Right. And sometimes, you know, the Western allopathic model just divides all of those into three separate areas. And we have specialists that really focus on each area separately. But, we have to realize that each of those informs the other. So if one of those things is awry, it's going to affect the other two things and vice versa. And like, you know, if you have your mental health influencing what's going on physiologically in your body, you have your physiology and your nutrition influencing your mental health. And then if your spirituality is not there, your relationships are not there, then there's almost like no point (laughs) to even exist You know, the whole point is to be in relationship with other beings like your family or other relationships. You know, each business is almost like a relationship providing a service to each person. And also the whole entrepreneurial journey has made me realize that until your personal development side is strong, you know, if you're on your game and you're like you were saying confident in yourself and your skills and what you have to offer. You're not going to have a successful business, you know. Right. You until you get that personal development side really down pat, you cannot function yeah. as a you know a successful person in a successful business.
2: Yeah, you you you've got to, you've got to know yourself absolutely. Um, you you've got to know. I always say you've got to know who you are and where you are, um, where you are physically and where you are mentally you know, because every, every season in life, and that's exactly what it is. It's a season. Like we go through these seasons where, um, I just came out of one. If I could be totally transparent, where I, um, I just on a, any given day just felt like, you know, that there's a certain aspect of, again, am I, am I confident enough? Can I actually do what I'm pursuing? Um, why am I, back in school like what is going on like you know I spent six years in in pharmacy school got my doctorate and I thought man I'll never go to school again (laughs) and and I hate that I thought that because if I had the the sort of the mindset of you know keep learning you know there's a part of me that's always interested in learning but uh, up until the last two or three years have I I haven't really acted on it and Mm. so now I'm at this point in my life where it's like okay you know, six years have gone by, seven years have gone by. I love my profession, but there's more that I can be learning. There's more that I can be doing, you know, counting and, and, and standing up all day on your feet is not the only way that's, this isn't the only avenue of pharmacy. So, you know, that there's that hunger that, that comes from, or that hunger rather that leads to curiosity. Uh, and so, but you, you have to know who you are and where you are in order to help somebody else because if you if you don't know who you are then you can't really um help somebody else figure out who they are and help them along their path and if you don't know where you are in your mental state don't know what season of life you're in then it's going to be a little for me it's going to be a little challenging to make those next steps and to take those next steps and so know who you are know where you are so that you can then make um and build upon um the the connections that you are making and you know, I have to be honest with you. For me, I met you on LinkedIn, right? We connected on LinkedIn. And um, I think that the reason I pursued, first of all, the reason I pursued, um, you know, really a connection with LinkedIn or creating a LinkedIn account, because where I was going was for the longest time, I didn't have a social media account. And to this day, I still don't have some social media accounts because of who I am. You know, I started by saying you got to know who you are and where you are. Who I am is this individual who is who is sensitive to the needs of others. And so, a lot of times, you know, social media for me can be a breeding ground for comparison. Mm. And comparison is a very strong contaminator um, for personal growth. It can contaminate your personal growth. It can contaminate your confidence. It can contaminate your drive. It's just that it can very well be a contaminator. And so for the longest time, I avoided social media accounts. But when I, when I, so that's the who I am. And then where I am mentally, I got to this space where it's like, okay, I need to make some stronger connections, some different connections so that I can put myself um, in a different part of my field, in a different um, uh, mindset of what it means to be a pharmacist. Okay. Uh, Because again, this is the passion. this, This is the profession that I love. So I opened up this LinkedIn account and I've First thing I did was come across um, Alex, you know, Alex over at, um, you know, the Happy Farm D. D. Yes, Alex Barker and and the work that he's doing. And, you know, Alex, if you're watching this, I don't know if you are. Kudos to you, man. Mm -hmm. I I appreciate your work and I hope that you continue that he continues, you know, helping pharmacists realize that there's more out there than what we've been told um, with, with regard to to what it means to be a pharmacist. And so, yes, you can be a pharmacist and pursue a degree, a master's in marriage and family therapy. You can be a pharmacist and, and develop a practice and a business around nutrition. You can be a pharmacist and do all of these different other things and be an entrepreneur and you know own your own lawn company. Like you can, you can do these things. And so um, who you are knowing, but knowing who you are and knowing where you are is where it begins. Uh, and so that, 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 this is this journey that I'm on, you know, as I, as I call myself the mindful form D being mindful of who I am, being mindful of where I am so that I can then reach out and help somebody else discover and develop, um, who they are and where they are. So,
1: yeah, I love that. And you're right. We are cyclical beings, just like everything else in nature. We're part of nature. So it shouldn't be surprised to us that there are seasons for everything night and day, you know, winter, summer, um, everything has its own biological rhythm, you know, how we are born and then we age and then we are not here anymore, but it's, it's just a part of life and thinking, um, and labeling and comparing something as good or bad is pretty much a human construct. So, just because something is not you know as pleasant and bright as something else doesn't mean it's not a necessary phase in our development so So we need the dark you know hibernating winters and nights in order to develop, you know, our strong seeds that can go on and become beautiful leaves and flowers and bear fruit and things like that. So just like the plants have their cycles, we have our cycles and we have our dark nights of the soul. And, you know, we have things that um, show us that things are not always going to be how we expect them to be. I think that's that's like when we get really um, upset when some reality doesn't match our expectations of reality. So it's like this realization that we just need to be open because we're not God, you know, we're not in control of everything. So we're just here to observe and be aware and then um, be aware that even when we are faced with um, a choice, that's another thing that can make us feel upset when we feel like we actually don't have a choice, you know, like we're forced to make a choice that we don't want to make. But we always should realize that there is another way out, you know, it's not always choice A or B, sometimes there's a lucrative choice that you are not thinking about, um, that you can get help from somebody else to give you another perspective on things. Absolutely. So, you know, mental health is huge with that so you know the story that you told in the beginning of the show about uh, the woman who made that choice um, you know she must have not seen that there was any other choice this was the only thing yeah. that she saw that was available to her so I think you know the bad stuff that happens to us is really humbling because if nothing ever bad happens there would be no need for progress you know there would be no need to improve yourself and right. you know, you just be super arrogant and you know nothing <laughs> will face you <laughs> but all of these things are here um, because we're here to learn. We're here to experience the spectrum of things, and unfortunately, there is a lot of bad stuff and unfair stuff that happens to people. But we always have a choice of how to, what to do next.
2: Is yeah, that- absolutely, and that you know that choice. Um, I, I just did an episode on uh, talking about recovery capital. I don't know if you if you're familiar with this this concept, but. Um, it really does sound like uh, resilience. And I'll tell you, I mean, everybody knows what resilience is, right? Yes, um, about that. That's,
1: that's right. <laughs> that's
2: right.
1: collectively about resilience.
2: Yes. And, you know, there's, um, back in the 90s, there was this, uh, this duo, Grant, uh, William Granfield and Robert Cloud, and they developed this concept of recovery capital uh, with regard to um, treating addicts. Who were um, now that that in itself is a message by itself because we are so addicted to life. We're addicted to the next thing. We're addicted to um, success. You know, more and more is coming out and being being talked about this this um, this faux reality between a work life balance and that there really is no balance these days. It's all Work. <laughs> it's all work, you know. Um, very seldom do we get a chance to sit down and have conversations like you and I are, ta- are are having today, and just you know, just enjoy each other's company, you know, for an hour, thirty minutes, and and you know, talk about talk about things that um, that are important to us. Um, so, but William Granfield and Robert Cloud they developed this concept called recovery capital, and what they saw was that people who were addicted to so um, addicted to substances, whether it be alcohol or prescription drugs or, um, you know, illegal substances, they had sort of, at the time, three domains that they worked through in order to overcome addiction without the need of pharmacolo- pharmacological intervention. Wow. Okay? What they found was the first domain was human capital. And they talked about the Um, The innate strengths within us, so within Marina, within Matman, the innate strength within each of us individually to that, you know, that gives us sort of this drive to, you know, to pursue or to 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 uh, overcome what's harming our lives and what's destroying our relationships. So the innate strength, the innate uh, skills, because a lot of times with within the realm of addiction, it's not a matter of of will. The person has the will but a lot of times they don't have the skill to overcome. Um, They don't know how to, uh, or what steps to make. So the human capital sort of addresses um, those things. And, you know, when you think systemically, you have to say, okay, well, from a young age, what's feeding that human capital? What's funding that, that capital? What's going into the reserve individual to give them strength? So that's the human capital domain. The connected capital, Domain is the social capital domain, and the social capital domain is um, your relationships. How strong are they? Not the not the quantity. You know, you might have fifty friends, but right. what's the right quality of those relationships? Can you trust this person with your deepest darkest secrets? Can you trust this person to carry your emotions through tough times? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the the community capital. Your and so not just your own personal friends, but then also the community in which you live in. You know, I grew up in um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I grew up in, um, you know, really in poverty. Um, my, again, my mom was a was a single parent raising five kids. Sometimes she had two jobs. Sometimes she had three jobs. Um, and so in that in the community we grew up in, you know, a lot of times the kids were left to their own devices uh, because parents were out, you know, working. Um, I grew up in the projects, and so uh, my community. You know, while there were certain certain aspects of it that that you know made me who I am today in terms of again my strength and my drive, and there are other aspects of it that um, you know that I that I have to address in counseling sessions. You know, um, and and there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it's just a reality of my makeup and who I am, and so that's the. That's the communal. And then one of the domain um, was, was the uh, financial capital, which is for to go on a vacation, right, to kind of build up your your recovery, build up your ability to, to be resilient and to overcome a, a um, you know, stressful situation. If all you're doing each and every day is working, 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 you know, to survive uh, because your financial capital depends on it, then it's, it's, it's one less factor in the element of or in the in the realm of resilience, right? So William Granfield, Robert Cloud, they came up with these domains, we're talking about recovery capital. And as I'm studying this here recently, I saw the connection between resilience. Yes, they were talking about addiction and addiction to, to substances, but there's also this, as I, as I started out by saying, there's also this, again, the fact that we're addicted to life. Sometimes we need to have uh, a strong resilience fund you know, recovery capital, resilience fund, same thing, a strong resilience fund that gives us the strength to overcome in uh, tough seasons of our life. And, you know, I I asked you, I asked your listeners, I asked my listeners, what is it, what's fueling your resilience right now? Because, because life is cyclical, because life is seasonal, you know, summer, winter, fall, just around the corner you might be in summer right now just around the corner might be a winter where you feel you feel uh, you know personally uh, unsuccessful you feel drained because you 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 know you haven't had those seasons of rest you just you know just going 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 all year long you have to understand that you're depleting your resilience you're mm-hmm. depleting your fund, and so you have to you have to go through those seasons of winter in order to stop to rest let the ground, you know, we, we're t- if we're talking agriculture, let the ground rest, right? Stop digging yeah. up the fruit, stop digging up the, um, the harvest and let it rest. And so we have to do the same thing in our own lives if we're gonna, uh, you know, be resilient and overcome and, and um, have a different experience, so.
0: Yeah,
1: thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, I agree, I think we often forget about those cycles and the seasons and we just try because of like the construct of our society and capitalism and all of that uh, we just try to fit in with what everybody else is doing and especially in like huge metropolitan cities yeah. and when we see like these go-getters all around us and a type personalities it's difficult not to get sucked in and perceive that as normal yeah. but when take a larger look at the big picture of who we are once again and what brings us health and joy and personal success and you know what success really means for us and it's not usually being super depleted and having money in the bank doesn't really to me (laughs) spell out you know the picture of success the picture of success to me is like somebody who controls their time and actually has to schedule in joyful activities or can rest when they need to rest. Uh, You know, and unfortunately, our society just doesn't really value rest, um, even though proper rest can actually make for more of a successful, you know, project completion and and all of that. So it's like we really have this idea of like working for hour, you know, rather than... um, working per the fruition of a project and then Mm -hmm. getting some rest between the next project because that's a cyclical way to go about it. Um, So we really need to figure out on a personal level what that is for us, you know, what is a balance, work-life balance or otherwise, um, what that is for us and how can we achieve that in our own world, like you were saying, and then, you know, the rest of the world hopefully will fall into place if each of us is making those individual choices,
2: absolutely. I um, you you mentioned something, you know, about what success was to you, and I just kind of want to revisit that real quick. You know, for me, I agree with you, and success for me is having successors. Like if you have people coming after you, who you're walking with, whether it's your your children, whether it's your co your colleagues, um, an intern. You know, <laughs> that's really yeah. like, people that you're, you're pouring into, you know, at my church, I always tell uh, uh, the ministers that I work with and the other, um, the other leaders in my church, I always tell them, um, as I'm developing them, one question I always ask them is, who are you walking with right now? You know, you might be walking with God, you know, but who are you walking with in the physical sense on this earth, um, holding hands with them and taking them on this journey walking with them on their journey um, and, you know, and really pouring into because that to me is, um, is a true mark of success because we can't take, you know, if if we can't take any of this with us, right? We have, we have a finite life. We have, you know, 75, 85, maybe some 95 years or so. um, And we can't take any of this physical stuff with us, you know? And so, but what we can remember and recall are those relationships that we had we can't remember and recall the people that we um and the lives and that you know that we poured into so as i'm creating a, a quote legacy one of the things that i'm very mindful of is the the relationships that i'm connecting with and the people that i'm connecting with that's why i sort of had to change my mindset on what i thought about uh social media and <laughs> that's why i'm here today because five years ago marina i probably never would have been because <laughs> Again, I didn't have, I didn't have that mindset on how, uh, you know, sites like, you know, LinkedIn or, you know, even Facebook to some degree um, can be beneficial. There's, there's sort of a double-edged sword. I wrote a, a paper, I wrote a paper um, some time ago about, you know, how social media is, it, it's just that, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it can help us, it can help us develop and create relationships and hopefully lasting real relationships. And then there's there's the dark side of it um, to where, again, there's that there's that comparison that comes into play. Um, I think some years ago, Facebook had over a billion uh, open accounts, but there I think 85 percent of them. 80 to 85 percent of them were fake accounts. And, (laughs) you know, and when I read that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So then who am I talking to? You know, but this 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 is the real. Right. This is reality. What we're doing right now, having having this dialogue and having these conversations, not just trolling each other's, uh, uh, you know, you know, sites and stuff, memes and, you know, one aspect of our lives. But, you know, developing those relationships along the way that to me um, is true success. I may not have. You know, a million dollars in the bank, but if I have four or five good friends, four or five people that that I can say, yeah, we we connected, man. We, you know, we we we're you know people of like-minded faith, and I believe I've I've uh, I've uh, I've done some good, you know, in this world. So that's yeah. my outlook. <laughs>
1: totally, I love that idea of legacy. That's the spot-on word, and yeah. you know, I think at the bottom you know, of our hearts and this existential desire in us is ultimately to have had meaning in our life and Mm -hmm. to, and how do you measure that is if you affect positive change or um, in somebody else, usually, how do you affect positive change in someone else? That means you did a good service, you know, that your life was meaningful to someone. So, uh, you know, whether it's literally your biological family or like, colleague or an intern or somebody on social media that is looking up to you that we don't know how many other sparks we're igniting just by being here and sharing our messages but the reason why we are here is to hopefully be doing just that
2: yeah yeah somebody can can be in, you know hopefully inspired is such a cliche word but that that's what it calls to mind is just again looking at our individual but close knit, um, stories and you shared your story on my podcast and how they align and how we look just beyond the synthetic, um, when it comes to health, you know, it's not, again, not just about popping a pill, but it's, 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 it's a holistic, right. It's a holistic approach. Um, and so maybe somebody hearing this can go, yeah, you know, I was, I was headed down this straight, narrow path. I had a a narrow minded view of what it meant to be a pharmacist. I had a narrow mind of view of what it meant to be a provider of care uh, but you know those two they they really did something to change my mind uh, and the other the other guests too that you've had on have really done something to change my mind and to, and to give me a different outlook and you know what now i'm gonna go this way i'm gonna go um uh, you know take route b you mentioned earlier you know uh you know i'm gonna go take route b and 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 really see where that leads me and maybe along the way i'll meet some different people and they'll they'll help me take a different route you know and so <laughs> But that's what it's all about, man. Just living, living life together. We are not made to be um, in this life alone, right? You know, you 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 sort of mentioned that briefly on on, on when we talked on my podcast. You know, we are relational beings. Um, the, you know, the fact that we're here, um, you know, say we talked about legacy. You know, we're we're live, we can live somebody's legacy in the positive and the in the negative. You know, if we if we're not careful, you know, and so when we're when we're developing ourselves and making those relationships with other people, um, we just have to remember that and come back to the fact that we are relational beings and doing life with other people is more fun than doing life alone. And that that is just the truth of it, Um, you know, and, and not just people, but also, you know, the the rest of God's creation, talking about animals, talking about. You know plants and how we um, harvest those and consume those, and you know we're we're all all of us you know physically are in this thing together and living this life, um, hopefully to the fullest, um, and can and can learn from each other. So, yeah,
1: one of my coaches says that you know if somebody is raising their hand in class, right, the first person to raise their hand is giving permission to everyone else to also volunteer like Mm -hmm. nobody wants to be the first one to be different right um but then if somebody does take route b then everybody else suddenly knows that it's possible or just like when the world records are broken um you know often it's like all of a sudden when one person breaks a a record it's like a limiting belief was broken in everyone and now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden other people are breaking it. this happened like in running this happens in scientific discoveries like people across the globe are working on something and all of a sudden it's like collective consciousness and like it's made in multiple places and once you know something that has never been done before is all of a sudden possible everywhere so just because we don't know that something is real uh doesn't mean that it isn't it's just that our mindset is not there yet
2: yeah you know i i started calling myself the mindful farm d probably in the past you know six or seven months or so but as I reflect and I listen to you talk, I've really been mindful, um, you know, practicing mindfulness for a very long time. And I and I called to mind as you were speaking specifically um, examples of uh, when I was in college, I would be that guy who would sit. This is a pharmacy school. I would sit in the front of the class. My friend and I, we had um, we we were the ones that would host different uh, trainings. Uh, study sessions, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and would invite other students to come in and learn with us because we were, we were the, we were the go-getters. Like we were the (laughs) ones that had the, the books, you know, piled high. And we were like, okay, this page, you know, this book, this page, this is what it says about, you know, I don't know, statins. Let's, let's go there, you know, uh, let's unpack that. And so we would have these, 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 uh, intense study sessions, but in class, I would be the guy who most often knew the answer, but I would raise my hand and ask a question because I sensed that somebody else in the class wasn't quite there yet. You know, co- uh, colleagues of mine who would ask questions in the study session because they were afraid to ask questions in class for fear of sounding dumb or feeling stupid. And so I took that burden you know, onto myself. And so I would be the guy in class, and know the answer, I would sit up in the front of the classroom, and I would raise my hand, and I would ask this question that I know was on everybody's mind. Nobody wanted the answer, but I wanted to be that person who would give, like you said, give them permission to feel okay to ask a question. And afterwards, you know, after class, people would come up to me and make, you know, they would they would make fun of me, like, man, you knew the answer to that question. Like, why are you, at, you know, why are you asking obvious, why are you asking obvious questions? Well, because it wasn't obvious to some of our colleagues. Wow. And so let's have the teacher dive a little bit deeper here, dig a little bit deeper here because somebody's not getting it. You might've gotten it. I might've gotten it, but somebody, somebody hasn't gotten it. And so, you know, as I think about my life, I've been doing, been doing what I'm practicing now and what I'm, you know, it's at the forefront of my mind now, but I've been doing it for a very long time and just being mindful. And I like to ask, you know, people, you know, in my, in my daily dealings, what, what is, what is mindfulness to you? You know, how does, what does mindfulness look like to you? And so for you, Marina, what does that look like to you? I'm gonna kind of ask you a question now. (laughs)
1: Uh, I think it's being present. Yes. Being, uh, trying to be aware, opening your awareness up to the present moment Uh, and just sitting with that present moment, noticing how you're feeling in all your sensations physically and, you know, mentally using all your organoleptic senses, your five senses, um, and, and just really listening to your own self. You know, you're the expert on the subject matter of your experience in life.
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And Dr. Um, Dan Siegel, he brings in uh, another dynamic, which is not only knowing yourself, uh, and being aware of, again, who you are and where you are, but he talks about this, um, this uh, uh, wheel of awareness. And the wheel of awareness, if you think of a wheel, the wheel has spokes. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, you know, those spokes represent your awareness. If you're at the center of the wheel, your awareness reaching out to connect with something or someone else in the environment. And so mindfulness is—it begins with self, but then there's also this element of extending outward and saying, you know, how do I connect? How does self connect with this thing? How does self connect with that person? Um, And when you when you when you're doing it right and bringing all—and not that there's a right or wrong way—but when you're when you're mindful and aware of all of these elements of your existence, I mean, you could be mindful washing your dishes. You know, you could be you could be mindful just standing there at the sink, you know, you know, cleaning scum off of your off of your favorite plate. But it's just intentionally, like you said, intentionally being aware Mm -hmm. of who you are and where you are and how yourself connects with these different aspects uh, of your life. And what you do, what you do with that is then you empower yourself to understand how you feel in the moment what you're feeling in the moment? Are you feeling anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow? Something that's totally out of your control, you know? And when you realize I'm not even there yet, right? I'm here. Yeah. You can come back and, and, you know, hopefully relax and say, there's no reason for this, you know, anxiety. Since I'm talking about that, there's no reason for that because I'm not even there yet. I'm here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's, it's a really powerful notion um, when you really reflect upon what what mindfulness is. Yeah,
1: sometimes the fear is worse than that thing you're afraid of. So it's like, whatever, the worst, you know, worst comes to worst, that will happen and just accepting that. Um, So we are at the end of the podcast. I want to thank you for coming on. We, um, you know, I'm out of time, but I'd love for you to share just a couple of things with us before we go. Um, You've already shared so many pearls of wisdom, so I'm not going to ask about that. I just want to know what's your favorite food? What's your favorite hobby? And then how can people reach you?
2: Man, the, the easiest questions are, how can people reach me? Could, <laughs> um, they can reach me at the mindfulfarmd at gmail.com, the mindfulfarmd at gmail.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, as I said, at the Mindful Farm D. You can find me on LinkedIn, Matt Man-Harrell, Um m-a-t-m-o-n is my first name. Sometimes people, when I say my first name on, on the phone, I got Matt, but it's Mattman, M-A-T-M-O-N. Uh, and then my favorite food, I don't know if I have one. Uh, it used to be macaroni and cheese and baked beans. <laughs> but that's changed. <laughs> that's changed. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite food. Honestly, I love food. Um, and my favorite, you said my favorite hobby? Yeah. Is. My favorite hobby is probably honestly reading a good book, nonfiction mm. um, reading a good book on um, the mind. Uh, it's probably one of the most interesting aspects of our being and we don't know anything about it. We know more about space than we do this thing called the mind. and so I love reading about reading books about about the mind. that's probably my favorite hobby.
1: Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I'll have the contact information, the
0: show notes, and I will talk to you soon. Take care.
2: Thank you, Marina. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new from it. I certainly get super inspired by the guests I have on. If the same is true for you, I'd really appreciate a five-star review on any of the podcast platforms and a shout out on social media. You can find me at my name, Dr. Marina Booksov, or at the tag at Raw Fork. So I look forward to connecting and I hope you have a great week ahead.